We're back. Today we're once again sailing along the beautiful Bohicket River from the bridge. As always, I'm your host and Captain Rick Jones. We're in that season. It's that uh, trying to reason with hurricane season. And so we're constantly on the lookout for what's going on off the coast of Africa, what's going on in the Caribbean, what kind of things do we need to worry about. Um, A lot of my friends say, Rick, don't you worry about hurricanes. Well, number one, we have about a three-week notice, and so it's not like a tornado that you have about a three-minute notice. Um, You know, there's great technology today that allows us to begin to predict where uh, a hurricane might occur and where it might be going. And that's a great lead-in because today's show is all about technology And for those that know me, I can hear you laughing already because, you know, I am analog man. Um, I remember the first laptop computer I got, my children said it was the world's most expensive nightlight because I didn't know how to keep it from blinking over in the corner all the time. Uh, I'm the guy that still cooks cornbread in an iron skillet. Uh, Ronnie Millsaps recorded a song called Lost in the 50s Tonight. I think he wrote that about me. Yeah, I'm that guy. Actually, I really do hate technology, uh, but still I need it, and I have to use it, and I have to try new things to help me every day. Think about this podcast. Who would have thunk it, huh, that you could just record something and it goes somewhere and people pick it up and they listen to it on all kinds of handheld devices? That's all about technology. The good news is my guest angler today, Francis Dumay of the Canadian Sponsorship Agency Elevant knows a great deal about using technology, and that's a good thing for you and me alike. I can't wait to hear his insights and his recommendations. We'll also jump back up on the old soapbox and set back out on the road with Rick. Let me tell you how old I really am. When I started in this business, we had these things called overhead projectors. Some of you young people have no idea what those are. This was a light where you laid a transparency and projected it up on a screen. I still have somewhere in my office a whole bunch of those transparency slides somewhere. The first thing I bought when I started my first agency was an electronic typewriter. This was pre-computer days. You could have a typewriter that could type over your mistakes. It would remove a letter and allow you to replace that letter. Um, I listened to a band called The Monkees. Many of y'all are too uh, young to remember The Monkees, but they had a lead guitarist by the name of Michael Nesbitt. And Nesbitt's real claim to fame was his mother invented a product called Whiteout. And Whiteout was a product that you just kind of, it was like paint that you put over a document and then typed over it. Uh, she, she actually made a fortune off that. Um, but uh, we have neither the monkeys nor white out today. Technology has really changed the way we do our businesses, especially during this pandemic. I seem to live on Zoom calls. You can be face-to-face with people without being face-to-face with people, and that's pretty cool. Uh, we're now doing a terrific new project for the American Battlefields Trust and the South Carolina Battlegrounds Trust to develop a corporate sponsorship program for the South Carolina Liberty Trail. And this is going to be a great project. We have about, we've identified about 70 sites 
in South Carolina that were actually Revolutionary War battlefields. In fact, South Carolina had more battles during the Revolutionary War than all the other states. The Southern campaign was such a critical part because when we ended up uh, defeating Cornwallis, he limped all the way to Yorktown and surrendered to General Washington. So uh, the South Carolina Liberty Trail was a very important part of our Revolutionary War history. And so we're going to connect all these sites with parks and pullouts and historical markers. Uh, But the real key is how do you make ancient history come alive? Well, the way we're going to try to do it is with augmented reality. There's nothing more boring than probably standing in a field that has nothing on it anymore. At one time, it may have had virgin timber. We don't know the topography. We don't know anything, but we do know something important happened there. Now, can you, through um, technology like augmented reality, be able to look at what actually occurred on the battlefield? I think that's going to be a very, very exciting project. You see, technology can make us all smarter even more creative, more efficient, and even more effective. We all need to embrace what's next. My guest today is Francis Dumay of the agency Elevant, based in Montreal, Canada, one of the coolest cities in the world. Francis runs an agency that has embraced technology like none else in the sponsorship world. Let's welcome my good friend, Francis Dumay, to the bridge. Francis, how are you today? Good yourself. Well, it's been a while since we've been together in this crazy pandemic. I can't come to your country. I'm not sure you can come to mine either. Uh, who, who'd have thunk it, huh? What a crazy, crazy world we live in right now. Yeah, um, I have family in the U.S. and uh, looking forward to see them again in person. Well, let's start with your agency, which is a a terrific agency called Elevant. Tell everybody exactly what you do at Elevant. Well, we we started off with uh, a a software to value sponsorships, but we're we're marketing guys at, um, we've been doing sponsorship and communication for, for a while, and we noticed that there was kind of a gap in the market and we wanted to use technology to bring valuation to more properties, more brands. And that was the start of it. And then we, we grew from that and, and built the consultancy because we had uh, a lot of questions around why is this not worth X and Y? Uh, how can I bring the value up? And, and we, we kind of built that agency from, from the ground up. Uh, so it wasn't only technology, but um, consulting, and, and now we've added uh, sponsorship research as well. Well, it's interesting. I find that you know a lot of people can do a pretty good job of measuring things, but if you're measuring the wrong things, or, or if you're doing the wrong <laughs> things, it doesn't it doesn't really matter. And so, I think sequentially, you got to do the research to determine what you should be doing. You got to do the consulting to figure out exactly what you're going to do, and then obviously the the measurement piece does that. H- how did you get? to the agency? Where, where did you start your career? What's your journey been like? Um, I started in marketing um, and I, I, I worked uh, at a um, staff agency and doing experiential marketing after my undergrad. And I wanted to, to do more strategy work. I uh, decided to uh, do the master's degree in marketing. Um, and after that, um, 
the, the end of the degree is, is the, the thesis, and I wanted to work uh, on Formula One. I just didn't know what project, uh, what subject to take. Um, and it became obvious that sponsorship is really, uh, it fuels the sport. It's not just uh, nice to have sponsorship dollars or funnel back to the teams and they reinvest in technology and, and, and improve performance. So um, but that was kind of, of a light bulb moment for for me, and um, I went on a, a two-year project research, and I, I talked to a lot of teams and, and uh, races, um, a lot of folks that had been in, in the sponsorship industry for, for a while, and um, I really fell in love with it. Um, sponsorship is very complex. It's not just you're not tied to like digital marketing or traditional advertising. You, you touch on all of those elements, um, which makes it uh, a lot more exciting, and obviously being involved in the entertainment business is, is just fascinating. Well, I lived in the UK so for yeah, I, I lived in the UK for a number of years and and had a chance to meet Bernie Ecclestone and and do some work with Williams and um, McLaren. Um, and so, you know, a lot of Americans don't realize just how large Formula One is on a worldwide basis. And obviously, y'all have the Montreal Grand Prix. Um, and mm-hmm. historically have had such a great event up there. So I guess you, you kind of grew up <laughs> loving the sport and then had a chance to, to jump into it, which is kind of yeah. cool. Yeah. I, yeah. It, it was, it, I went to the races and when I couldn't go, I, I went to the park right in front to hear the, the, mo- the cars go around the track and they made quite a high pitched sound at the time they had bigger engines <laughs> and yeah, that, that, that stayed with me. But to your point, it's it's a huge business, and um, F1 has been sophisticated in the sponsorship space, probably because of the um, tobacco money that they had in the, the late 90s, early 2000s. They had very good measurement methods uh, before a lot of the, the, the other companies jumped and, 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 and started measuring um, constantly what they were doing. So what did you do after working on that project? Um, well, I was offered a, a role in, in sponsorships, and um, uh, it was for a gaming, um, the gaming organization in Quebec, and I oversaw uh, the sports sponsorships, which were um, commercial that were tied to the, the casino brand, um, and I, I was tasked to, to build a, a platform to try to link the numerous brands uh, that they had and the multiple properties that they were uh, sponsoring. So I, I did that. After that, I went on the agency side to manage that account. Um, and I, after that, I moved to, to the client side, uh, the telco business. And um, that's where I, I started to, to really put in place tools to, to measure sponsorship effectiveness when, when I was there. When you I were... thought it was totally possible to do that, um, even with, with small budgets. Well, I, I think, you know, we went through the era of um, I think it's the right thing to do. Uh, then the dollars got so, so high that at that point people started saying, we got to bring real metrics to this. You know, some of the big events, Olympic Games, World Cup, obviously Formula One, you're talking real money <laughs> in the investment. And, mm-hmm. and it's usually a board level a decision that says, I think we'll invest this, this type of money to do that. So I think y'all were right at the right time with the right 
with the right product uh, that allows you to do that. Um, and then, so you're on um, you're on the telco side, and then then did y'all start your own agency at at that point? Yeah, well, I I, I had to do it on the side for a little bit, um, <laughs> as it <laughs> takes a, a few a few years to to grow uh, to grow a, a business from scratch. But um, yeah, it, it started with very small projects that uh, my business partner and I were doing nights and weekends, and slowly he became involved full time, and then I joined uh, a year or two later. Well, I had the privilege of coming up and, and speaking at a conference y'all put on. Y'all y'all use the conference business as a way to, I think, elevate the discussion about sponsorship in Canada, but it also, I think, was a great uh, calling card for y'all's business. We, we had a lot of fun putting that, that conference on. Um, fortunately, we had to, to move to uh, digital format and, and to – the, producing the, the magazine that we still we still have today, um, but everything was tied together. The, the conference was producing content for us that we would uh, distribute online and on the magazine. Well, I know you guys uh, have always been an agency that embraced technology. You were ahead of that in terms of you know how to select sponsorships, how to measure sponsorships, the process of doing research around sponsorships, but. In this coronavirus world, y'all have really embraced technology and pivoted in a lot of ways. Let, let, let's talk about some of the things that y'all are doing now. Yeah, um, well, we we were probably um, too much in front of the parade when we launched our, our sponsorship uh, valuation tool. Um, it's funny that people are talking about measurement in this business and have been for many years, but... Fortunately, the, the dollars are not necessarily available to uh, to measure not even the effectiveness, but to do the kind of a pre-event asset valuation. Um, so that's that was our initial thought. We wanted to to make products um, more accessible to both brands and properties, and, and also uh, make it better. And software allows you, technology allows you to do that. Um, we talked a lot about artificial intelligence and AI, but it's um, really something that can help us make better informed decisions. It's not, it, it won't give you the answers just to um, make, you know, sound, build sound strategy and tactics uh, that work through data and through, through technology. Um, all that to say that we, we built the, the first tool, which was the valuation tool that allows you to, in a few minutes, you input the sponsorship assets. And without any human intervention, you you see what the value of these assets are. Uh, so, for in-stadium assets, for instance, you can punch in uh, audience numbers and number of times the assets are uh, offered through the property, and and that gives you uh, a value for each of the markets that you are in. Um, and sometimes, especially in the U.S., you have national programs. Uh, you're involved with college and, and high school sports. You know. Um, a, a brand can have properties across the country, and the 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 value uh, of the media changes dramatically. So you can't take a blanket value to measure pro- properties across the U.S. Um, and our system allows you to, let's say, you have a property in Houston and um, one in Colorado. You can take these specific media values um, to measure 
the assets that are there. Give me give me some examples of um, some of the specific uh, companies you're working with, or or other agencies maybe that are using your technologies. Um, one that uh, was very proactive in, in using technology was Canadian Tire, which is a, a huge retailer here in, in Canada, and they they bought in our entire suite of software. I, I mentioned the valuation tool, but we also have a, a request management uh, software. Uh, called Brick Road, um, and we do broadcast valuation um, but through a product called Spot. So Canyon Tire has the whole thing, and um, it's all tied together. So they, they receive proposals. They can uh, value it from a uh, quantitative state standpoint, which let's say gives another, a number of points uh, for, the, for the, the types of property that they want so they can filter through through incoming requests, and then uh, they can input it into the, the valuation tool, which will give you the value of assets so they can negotiate. And after that, um, they can go in and actually measure performance, and that's where the ROI measurement happens. So it, you need the entire cycle to get to that point. I remember years ago, and I mean years ago, when I was running Sears um, sponsorship programs uh, in the United States, um, and they would get unsolicited about 20 sponsorship pro- proposals a week. And, uh, mm-hmm. and I, I went to them and I said, what are you doing with these proposals? And they said, well, we're throwing them in the trash can. And I said, well, <laughs> I, and I said, well number one, y- you can't do that because anybody that sent you a proposal is a potential customer of Sears. And so, and, and so you you, you got to have some sort of response mechanism. And again, this was pre a lot of the software that y'all have, but we ended up getting a criteria of ten things that Sears look for in a in a sponsorship. And I'm gonna tell you how long this was ago. I would fax this. I, I would fax the the letter back. Thank you for soliciting Sears. Uh, here are ten things we're looking for. If your property achieves eight of the ten we would like to see a proposal. And mm-hmm. we got high marks because, A, nobody ever got back to anybody, which we always felt like was rude. But, B, I would take every sponsorship proposal that came in and I'd read them and steal every good idea that was in there um, because, <laughs> I mean, it was just foolish to have that kind of bandwidth um, and and no one taking advantage of it. Well, you've now... You know, clearly with your technology and your software, you've been able to do that. Uh, I, I would think Canadian Tire is a lot like Sears and that they probably get a significant number of of proposals that come in unsolicited. It's um, it's mind-boggling. And we see it even in, in smaller companies. Um, and to your point, they're clients, they're uh, people of your community. You can't just ignore these incoming requests and with the current crisis, we think that the marketing departments will become slightly smaller in the short term, so you'll have less people to manage these uh, incoming requests, and the people seeking sponsored dollars will, will certainly increase because the need will be will be tremendous um, in the community, uh, but also the entertainment space. So uh, it, what we put in place uh, allows you to streamline that whole process and automate communications uh, to make sure that you don't drop uh, 
any commutations, but also uh, it helps you to find hidden gems, like properties that you probably never thought about that may be a very good fit for your company. You know, I, I've told everybody that coming out of this mess, uh, no one will ever save their way to prosperity. I mean, ultimately, you're going to have to go back to spending and marketing, but you're going to have to do it maybe more effectively, certainly more efficiently than ever before. And and this software that y'all have, this variety of products that you have, I think are very, very valuable. So what are you trying to do besides this podcast to uh, to get the word out about the availability of your software and um, and, and ways that uh, that companies and agencies can utilize it? Um, yeah, it's we, we just launched a new um, a new website for for the Brick Road product, the sponsorship request management product. We're launching videos to explain what what it is. Um, people are not necessarily used to, to these tools, um, and and we're trying to put the word out there. Um, in, in compared to other complex enterprise solutions, like we were sponsorship markers before we produce those things so we we're building them for ourselves uh, it, it, it's it starts from from there we we want to build tools that people want to actually use that are simple straightforward um and that's been the, the motto from the start i would think also the ability to have at least some level of consistency of valuation if nothing else valuation terminology or valuation ratings you know somebody said to me one day they said you know how do you measure sponsorship i said well there's no magic wand but there is a magic formula but the formula changes for every sponsor and Mm -hmm. changes every day for every sponsor because the objectives change um uh, but in this case i think we need you know we need a nielsen like um product i'm not saying it can be that simplistic i mean there's flaws in nielsen we know people who have tvs on in their mm-hmm. household we just don't know if they're watching we don't know if they got up and went to the bathroom during the commercial we don't we, we don't know if they're cooking mm-hmm. in the kitchen we i mean but we do need i think a level of um, consistency and i think your products can can do that uh, talk about that a little bit yeah well because it's a software, it also allows us to, to give benchmarks, which you can't when you're calling an agency and you're doing it with an Excel sheet. So you can have a sense of where your your, your property falls uh, compared to others. Um, it's also, we, we saw a lot of the different products that the agencies created from scratch because we, we worked in a bunch of them, um, my business partner and I. And um, the qualitative measurement that IG pioneered in the late eighties um, sometimes was, was too simplistic. Uh, it was only like five questions or, or people engage with your property uh, on a scale of one to five. Um, so we wanted to build, rebuild that completely and, and use science. Um, so we, we went, went back to, to my professors at university and, and scanned about 20 years of uh, sponsorship research uh and academic papers and these two worlds don't don't um talk to each other very often the professionals and the the academics but um we went back and we built a model from from research uh and we update it from from time to time to make sure it's still relevant but uh we probably have 50 different questions that uh, go into measuring the the qualitative aspect of, of sponsorships which 
makes it um, different in traditional media. That's one example. You know, I think right now most most agencies, if not all agencies, and, and select companies are really taking advantage of the pandemic to look at re-engineering all their processes. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, like you said, people are going to probably come out of this with less bodies. And so they're going to have to have more uh, utilization of technology for efficiencies purposes. They're probably going to outsource more things. I think there's going to be a higher level of scrutiny about every dollar they spend. And so I think the tools that you have are <laughs> are perfect for the times. Um, you know, we've seen, you know, in our country, just, the, you know, just the industry come to almost a complete halt. Um, tell me about mm-hmm. Canada, similar situation? Yeah, it's a similar situation in, um, in many respects. Um, we see sports resuming, which is very encouraging, but we were working with a lot of uh, live events, uh, whether it be a music festival or huge comedy shows, comedy festivals. And um, these guys have found ways to to get their content through the audiences and the fans online, but it it will take a while. Like we're not even sure that there will be events of that, that sort in, in 2021. Montreal especially was uh, known for it to be the, the festival uh, city in, in North America. We had festivals from June to almost September. Um, and, and the city is uh, it's complete desolation right now. It's, it's very uh, empty. Um, so the, the silver lining is that uh, these organizations are looking at ways to monetize uh, content and do a better job uh, of uh, involving the sponsors on digital format, which was often an afterthought. So we're seeing a lot of that, which which is good. But um, we, I don't believe that the events will, will stay digital. We'll want to come back to the, the festivals and uh, hopefully soon. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's interesting. We, we've been telling everybody that, especially in, in, in the collegiate space where we do so much work, that the single biggest asset that a team really has is its tribe. It, it's those mm-hmm. fan base, those passionate fan bases. And, 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 and we've kind of said the model is you got to first and foremost identify your tribe. Secondly, you got to communicate with your tribe. Thirdly, you got to engage with your tribe. And, and finally, that leads to the most important part, which is the monetization of your tribe. Um, what kind of tools do y'all have to understand fans better? We, um, it, it's funny you say that because two, three years ago, we, we thought that that part was missing. Like we could do evaluation, we could do strategy. Um, but we never went into the actual, um, measurement of those things. Uh, so we launched a research division. Uh, where we actually survey um, audiences and fans uh, to actually measure sponsorship effectiveness. So it all ties into to, to the strategy and the evaluation work. But um, we we just did uh, a survey for the virtual uh, Jazz Fest in Montreal, and we noticed that it was the core fans that 
were probably missing the property and, and went online and consumed the content, which was uh, very interesting. Um, and these are the guys that are probably more involved with the brands or more inter- interested to see what the sponsors are doing to support the, the event that they love. Um, so it's it's really through through research that we're able to um, measure that and see that, which is uh, interesting. Yeah, I, I think the more we know about the levels of our fans, the better off we're going to be. I, I I worry in our country that that uh, a lot of Gen Zs and millennials um, have have not gravitated towards traditional stick and ball sports, um, mm-hmm. and, and and if they don't have access this year to those sports, they may get used to to not watching and not being part of that. And that's we've got to find ways to to understand their motives and understand their connectivity first. If you don't have a tribe, you're not going to have a sponsor of the tribe. And um, so I think it's it's going to be really important to to, to kind of dive deeper into into fan and insights and 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 understand what's going on. Obviously, the music business, um, um, you know, fans pay for everything. I mean, they they literally pay for everything. They mm-hmm. pay for concert tickets. They pay for festival attendance. They pay for music downloads. Um, they they no consumers, no music, um, and so. I think uh, some of the things that y'all are doing are, are so re- uh, relevant and elevant. Uh, I had to throw that in there. Uh, <laughs> that uh, uh, I, I think it's uh, it, it, it's going to be really necessary for, like I said, for brands to look to do things a little bit differently. How um, how can our listeners out there get in touch with you guys? What's the best way to 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 get with you besides looking at your website? But what's what's a way for them to to kind of better engage with you guys and understand the products? Um, well, the, the website is uh, elvin.co, but they can get in touch with me uh, on LinkedIn and love to, to chat with y'all. Um, Francis Dumay on LinkedIn. Um, we have a lot of great conversations right now with the, with the industry um, like being uh, so affected by, by the coronavirus. We, we have brainstorms with, with people. Uh, love to jump on a call and, and have a conversation. Yeah, I, I found that I'm just. Uh, I started this podcast saying that I just live on Zoom calls today. Who knew? But um, all day long we're we're talking, you know, and it's pretty cool. I mean, not only can you see people, but you can share screens. You can walk through, uh, you know, documents and uh, look at videos and do all kinds of things along those lines. So it's it's pretty interesting. Well, y'all y'all are, and I've always been since I've known you, uh, way 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 ahead. Um, of the trend. I, I, I do laughingly say you can always tell the pioneers they're the ones that had the arrows in their backs, but, uh, uh, you know, and so you've taken a lot of arrows as you've built your, um, your agency in, in, in a big way. But uh, I think the future looks perfect for you guys as we embrace technology like we've never before. So, uh, pal, thanks uh, for the great insights today. And uh, thanks for being with us from the bridge. Thanks for having me. It's now time for the soapbox. This one is actually from my book, Analog Advice in a Digital World, and I thought it was appropriate for today. Groucho Marx once said, you're only as young as the women you feel. Now, my wife said in this politically correct uh, 
world, I'm not supposed to say that. And I reminded her, I did not say that. Groucho said that. But the truth is, it was really a takeoff on the saying, you're only as old as you feel. For those of my generation, ask yourself whether you still think youthfully. Are you still seeking to learn new things? Or are you rapidly becoming that out-of-date fossil you once accused other people of being? And to the millennials out there, don't assume you're immune to obsolescence. Today, the world changes at such a rapid rate that if you tune out or kick back, you'll be surprised how quickly it leaves you behind. But here's some good news. We can all learn something new each and every day if we choose to do so. We can embrace the new, or at least acknowledge and consider the new, without giving up the old. We've all heard the expression that curiosity killed the cat, but you're not a cat. To get ahead, you have to be curious about the world and about new things. They also say you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Aren't you glad you're not a dog or a cat? And that's today's view from the Soapbox. I mentioned earlier today that our guest, Francis Dumay, lives in Montreal, one of my favorite cities, a city with great culture and great food. There's this one place that's been serving smoked meat since 1928. It was started by Reuben Swartz, a Jewish immigrant from Romania, and they still do it there the same way with the same spices and the same smoking technique. Swartz's is an old school deli, and I love those kinds of places. You want a sandwich. I suggest the smoked beef sandwich, but they also serve salami and smoked turkey with coleslaw and pickles and hand-cut fries. Maybe even some poutine. That's fries with beef gravy. It's the ultimate old Montreal experience on the road with Rick. It's time to head back to shore. We'll see you next week from the bridge.